You are listening to Get Real Podcast. This is Glenn in the fishbowl. Dan is allowing me to fly this plane solo. Fear not and be not dismayed. Dan will be back with us soon. He's taking care of some business matters today. So it's just me, myself, and I, and Mac, the metal dog, is down in the kennel right now because all he would do was tell us how good Scooby Snacks are on the other microphone. That's why he's not in here. I'm very excited about today's podcast. We have with us Ashley and Larry Warhol. They are from the band Warhol. They're a symphonic metal band out of Houston, Texas. They were formed in 2013. And here's something that I really appreciate about both Ashley and her dad. Not just are they gifted musicians, but they're also very talented writers and actors. So in the tradition of some great bands such as Santana, Van Halen, Dio, Dokken, Danzig, Bon Jovi, and even Guns N' Roses is in this category. I did not know this. They use their last name or their surname as their band name. Larry and Ashley, can you share with us why you decided to use the name Warhol for your band? If I started a band and named it Remsen, I don't think it'd really do well, but why did you guys (laughs) go with Warhol? Yeah, absolutely. And Actually, I think that your last name would be a pretty incredible band name. There, <laughs> is, a hi- off, thank you. <laughs> there is a history behind that. I'll tell you in a minute, but you guys go first. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. My dad's to my right. So if you want to say hi. Hello to everybody. Hey. Hello. So it's interesting with our last name. So when dad and I first started talking about becoming musicians and starting a band together, I was still in college. And so I was taking a lot of composition classes and my professor in our normal schooling actually called me by my last name. He never called me by my first name. And I remember during one of my lessons with him, you know, dad and I were thinking about other band names. And my professor said, Ashley, you already have a famous last name being related to Andy Warhol. Warhol sticks out. Warhol people already recognize. Why don't you just name the band Warhol? And so I came home that same day and I said, Dad, like, how would you feel about naming the group Warhol? And since then, that's what we decided. And it's been a blessing ever since. I am also related to a famous artist. Who are you related to? Remsen is a variation of Rembrandt, and he is one of my distant relatives. So we have something very much in common, both great artists and great painters. Yes, that's amazing. Yes. Before we talk about your music... I would like to talk about the short film that you guys just released entitled Amazing Grace, My Lord, My God. Can you give us a synopsis of that short film that you guys just put out? Sure. I'm going to let Dad take over this one. Well, do you want to hear how it started? (laughs) Yeah, go. Give us the history, the scoop. When I was growing up at the age of 13, I um, was a became a church organist. I took piano lessons, my sister and I both, from um, our church organist's at school where I went, to, I went to Catholic school. And one of the songs that uh, I always enjoyed playing was Amazing Grace. And throughout my life teaching, and also because I teach piano and guitar, it always kept popping up in song books and et cetera. And so one day I decided that I'm going to do an arrangement. But there were two songs that I really enjoy uh, on the spiritual side was um, Amazing Grace and Hallelujah. Those two songs. A lot of people have done a version of Hallelujah. It's amazing when you look how many people have redone that song. So I started uh, doing a piano arrangement of it and decided to add a chorus to it. 
And so after that began, and I wrote all the uh, the uh, piano arrangement to it, I then went ahead and orchestrated it, and then gave it to Ashley for her to you know work out the vocals, and we discuss the melody lines. Yeah, the melody lines and that, and we discuss you know the chorus part and everything, and then we did that. We recorded it, and it laid down just slide for quite a while and well, almost five years ago yeah we've, yeah we've been sitting on this project glenn for about five years and we actually had recorded a different version a different video to it right, and it just yes. it wasn't what dad and i wanted or envisioned okay and i'll let him continue but yeah. this this has been a project for many many years and talking about you know divine timing and everything especially one of the reasons why we released it now is because of what's going on. Uh, but I'll let Dad finish what he was saying. So after the orchestration part of it and everything and written down, one night I was sitting around just thinking about the world and the way things are. And I was thinking about in our neighborhood, we have a lot of homeless people. And I thought, you know, it's really sad that they're out there. And if there's some way that they could just find the ability to get off the streets and, and the strength to move on and get back into their regular lives. So I decided to write a story. And I guess this is where, like I said, I was raised uh, actually as a Catholic and I was an altar boy and did all, all of the music in church and everything. And I remember we were the first group to do folk masses with guitar because I played guitar, too. I put it in the, the story in the aspects of what you see in the movie of um, a priest minister, a man of God, helping someone off the streets to, to find the strength and and move on with their life. And so I wrote the story and then I gave it to Ashley and looked at everything. And it's then that we kind of decided we need to put this into a film, you know, a short film. And that's when, you know, Christopher came forward with us as our producer and, and director and director and that. And, um, well, well not it. only that, when we first started it, we originally wanted this to be a music video. And after looking at dad's, you know, story and script and Christopher helped write some dialogue because everything we envisioned, soon we realized that this isn't going to be a two, three minute video. <laughs> it's going to take, take a while. Yes, it, this is going to be a, a little bit. So after all of the footage that we did, after all the dialogue that was taken and actually acting out the scenes, we had like 19 minutes worth of footage and Christopher you know he messages us and he's like guys um I think we're gonna make this into a short film and I was like I love that idea so you know now we're entering it into a lot of film festivals which is going to open a lot of doors and I think because of the message we were trying to portray within this track and this video it needed to have the link that it does for the message to come across it wouldn't have done justice just having a two or three minute video it's a very powerful short film. I saw Thank it, you. and after I had watched it, I immediately reached out to you, Ashley, and was very blessed to get a very quick response, and here we are. I think it's going to have a very powerful effect on people, and you're correct. The timing of it right now is perfect. People are looking for answers to the questions right now, even not just homeless people who this short film is geared towards, but just everybody who's wondering what in the world is going on. I mean, the world right now is absolutely in, in a mess. It's absolute chaos right now. And this will hopefully lead some people to the right answer. And that's what we hope. And that's why we want to help you 
get this film out there, talk about this film. We're going to take a link to the film and put it on our resource page on lithoscry.com for our viewers. And we're going to help you put it on social media because it's awesome project. Going back to Amazing Grace, Larry, what is it about that song? I mean, that was written in 1772. What is it about that song that moves you the most? And then Ashley, I want you to share what moves you about that song. Yeah. um, One thing I want to add real quickly, Glenn, is the other thing with Amazing Grace, you know, this film represents how an act of kindness and an act of love can change someone's life. So maybe not necessarily only people who are homeless, but anyone who's struggling with maybe any forms of addiction or even self-worth, you know, anxiety, depression. There's many forms out there that can be considered darkness. And this film is to hopefully strive for anyone who is struggling in no matter what it is in their life that they can have this is kind of a outsource to help them know that they deserve more. And getting back to you, the, you asked me about what moved me the most. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually the words, you know, I even copied them down once again, just to say some of the words that people don't really, sometimes they sing songs, but they don't know what they're singing. They're just uh, singing it because they're following everybody else. But the, the few lines like I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. The other one was how precious did thy grace appear the hour I first believed. And then one that through many dangerous toils and snares we have already come. It was grace that brought us safe, thus, and grace will lead us home. And this is just what really is what's happening today, too. The, the amazing grace that if we could develop to get us through this coronavirus. But I, I think the most important thing that kind of like what Ashley said in a way, but um, that when people see this video and they hear the song, and this is what really moved me, was to help these people overcome their weaknesses and temptations and to acquire strength to believe in themselves and make the necessary changes to become the right person that they really are and to understand what their role in life is and their position in life and how can they live out the rest of their life through amazing grace and be happy. So those are kind of my my reasonings for amazing grace and the story and, and that too. And also just to... Um, you know, basically help everybody get back on track. Ashley, how about for you? Mine, obviously, Dad and I are both very spiritual people, and we have a lot of the same beliefs. But for me, Amazing Grace is a reminder that we are human. You know, everyone makes mistakes, and we will continue to make mistakes because we are human. And there's something that's very beautiful about that because it's not meant to strive for perfection. We are not supposed to be perfect, and that's okay. You know, part of being an artist is being vulnerable enough to make a statement of who you are and you're okay with who you are. And during the final scene when I'm singing and I look over to, you know, Pastor Lawrence, um, those tears that you see in the video are real. At that moment when I was singing and during filming, I could barely even move my mouth to the lyrics I was singing to because at that moment you have this kind of feeling of emotion of everything, you know, that I've done in my life. And at that moment, I was asking for forgiveness. And it's so important to give yourself permission to forgive yourself. And the fact that we are human and not perfect to me, I think that allows an individual to have such growth. And that growth can take years. You know, you could still be 80 years old and still make mistakes. And that's totally okay. 
So for me, Amazing Grace is just about finding the grace within yourself and allowing your soul to have the journey that it's meant to have. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now. One of the things that Dan and I, we talk about a lot on this podcast, if you go back into the deep archives, uh, we've had a spiritual journey that has been like a chaotic roller coaster. Both of us, he found the Lord very much earlier in his life. And I found the Lord, it was when I was in college, when I was a senior in college. And we were both, we were both saved. We knew it. We were in a very controlling religious organization for about 13 years. Took us a while to figure that out. And then we spent about 10 to 11 years in the spiritual desert where we didn't want anything to do with God, but he was still with us during that time. And if you take a look, nothing in our lives is perfect at all. And that's one of the things that I like to stress to our listeners, especially for me and my co-host. You know, we put out this podcast, we, we talk about scripture, we talk about salvation, we talk about all those things. But then when you take a look at our lives, they're not perfect in the least bit at all. And it's only by the grace of God. Every time I sit down to do this, I feel like a, a dirt ball. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I feel very unworthy uh, to do this and many of the things in my life. And I think that's really a good place to be because when you take a look at the great people of scripture, David, Moses, none of them felt worthy to do any of the things that they were called to. And it was all by the grace of God that they did what they did. That's it. That That's the only yeah. thing that sustained them. And that's the only thing that sustains me. That song just has that powerful message too. I mean, you, uh, so many songs reflect a lot of feelings and uh, priorities, but that song just has everything in it you need. Uh, to me, it's a short summary of the Bible. Yes, it, it is. It really is just a short summary of the Bible and, and belief, and that's what it's about. And I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think with Amazing Grace, you know, people who watch this video, in all honesty, you don't even have to be religious to understand the messages that we were trying to portray. You know, there's a lot of things that people can take away from this video or this short film and relate to on a personal level that maybe. If someone who was religious came up and talked to them about it, maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't take the time to listen. You know, we try and think of ways to portray different messages because we ourselves are not perfect, you know, and we never claim to be. That's what people are attracted to is reality. They're, they're attracted to truth. They're attracted to I think our society has gotten so out of whack. And maybe that's what's going on right now with. <laughs> everything that with the coronavirus and the shutdowns, people are really starting to be forced to look at what reality is. What is reality? What is truth? Because I know a lot of people right now are running around asking what in the world is going on. And for me, I am not as much concerned about what's going on in the world, but I'm more concerned about what's going on in me and me with God. Right. That's it's it. a wake up call. It is. Well, 
another uh, I think is going to be is what's going to go on after this is over with. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are people going to change their views of life and living and appreciation of being alive and and just looking at the everyday things that we take for granted, which like there's no toilet paper, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I could bring that into, but or there's hardly no water and stuff like that. It's going to make them look how we really needed to appreciate the little things in life that we have and how what happens when they're taken away. Yeah. So that's that's amazing. Or brought to life uh, because people who might not have been able to spend time with their families are now being able to. It's a lot of good in it. There's a lot of good. Yes, there really is. Ashley, you said something a second ago about the vulnerability of being an artist and showing who you are for who you really are. That's that's genuine art. During the whole process of putting this film together, it's a very bold statement of who you are, what you believe, what your faith is. Was there any point in time that you felt hesitant in doing this because it is such a bold statement? You know, I've I've known that this point was going to come when I was going to be asked such a question and the best answer that I can give is my afterlife is not decided by the judgment of others. And because of this, I do not fear being open with who I am. I've always been someone who has been very vulnerable in hopes of helping others. And, you know, I have chosen personally in my life to not judge others. I don't feel like I have that right. And every soul has their own journey. And I hope through my art, whether it's music or art or film, Mm -hmm. can help someone guide in that journey if, if they so wish. And so I would hope with anything of mine or that dad and I do or the band does that might have a spiritual side like Amazing Grace, that an individual can appreciate the piece in its own art form, no matter what their beliefs might be. So I never was hesitant because I knew this is something that dad and I were supposed to do. And there's actually quite a story (laughs) of um, how this really came about. Um, I'll try and do it in, in short terms, but whenever the bands, we had like a, we'll start, we were at Starbucks and we were signing all of these um, like magazines, you know, Katie magazine just had a huge article about us. And while we were there, this lady walks into Starbucks and we didn't know her. And anyone who goes into Starbucks knows that there's like never a time that it's dead. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, so as we were sitting there and this lady came in, there was no one else who came in after her. And she was asking us a lot of questions, a lot about our face. And she had asked dad and I, if we would record ourselves playing actually amazing grace that she was trying to find her son. And she went through this long conversation with us of how she lost her son and she just wanted to film this and be able to show it to him whenever she saw him well at the time dad didn't know the chords on the guitar for amazing grace so we ended up playing um our track in this town or something like that and you could tell she was really wanting us to do amazing grace but she was taking whatever she could and after we all said bye and and we all left um, she stayed the entire time so whenever we walked out it was closing you know, dad gave her a hug. We all gave her a hug. And Craig, our bassist, and I had, had left. Marty, our drummer, had left. And dad calls me and he's saying, Ashley, I just hugged this woman, turned around for a second, turned back around. She was vanished. She was gone. Her car was gone um, within seconds. And I had actually done research once I got home. 
And she was not from our era. (laughs) I found her family tree. Um, I found her name. I found her son's exact name that she mentioned. And I want to say it was back like in the 1800s that their family tree was in. And at that moment, we had forgotten that kind of that she had even brought up Amazing Grace until we filmed Amazing Grace. So this has kind of been in the back of our mind of something that we wanted to do. And uh, so then we were looking at the footage and I then remembered let me finish. <laughs> He's over here. I just wanted to make a comment real quick. It wasn't I didn't know the chords to the song. She wanted, me to, she wanted me to play it on the guitar, and I didn't have a guitar. So for all the guitarists here that don't think that I'm ignorant, and I, I don't know the chords to Amazing Grace. For a three chord oh, version. my goodness. Uh, so I just wanted to make that correction. I'm okay. sorry. didn't mean to bust our bubble here but I- <laughs> <laughs> clearly you can see um our uh power yeah. duo here yeah <laughs> um, anyways so um uh and yeah so we were um looking at the footage and it then hit me oh my gosh all this time years ago we were being told that we needed to do amazing grace and so at that moment we realized that we were exactly where we su- we're supposed to be, and we were doing expa- exactly what we were supposed to do. So, wow. so no, I was not hesitant in releasing this. <laughs> wow. Short version of that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no, I, I wasn't hesitant either. The only thing, and you're probably going to ask, them, what was the most challenging part of the production? And that was, <clears throat> I have never really acted before. Okay. Okay. This was my first time out. And, um, there were three major things. Number one, our time schedule. We had two days to get in there and do this long version of of the um, filming. And so we left early, and it was at three or four o'clock in the morning. And we got on the plane about seven or so, had a layover and everything, got there, went to uh, Christopher's house and then and kind of changed, got ready and went filming. We filmed to what, two or three it was almost uh, four in the morning or something like that. It was late. I don't yeah. Late. And then we got up at nine o'clock and went back and we had to finish it by that day. So we filmed. Because they had day. church service. Yeah, they had Sunday. church service on Sunday. Oh, wow. So, uh, the church was used. So it was very, um, you know, fatiguing, made you very fatigued, just uh, trying to keep in that, that mode. That, the character. The character mode, yes. And. So the other um, the other thing that was challenging is not being an actor and really to portray what I wanted to portray as, uh, you know, Father Lawrence Mm -hmm. to get the message across. And so that was very challenging uh, for me. And the funny side of it all was being raised in the Catholic faith. I always envisioned, you know, uh, ministers, priests and that, of course, in, in, you know, black with the white collar. And so the outfit I had was challenging. It was it was hard. <laughs> I wore the long priest robe with the white thing. And even in I maybe shouldn't say it, but in one of the scenes when I've been down, I popped two buttons. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to see the other side of the film too, and things like that. So I think moving around that outfit was really challenging too. And should so. we mention that you dropped me? <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so tired and just weak and everything. That one when I went to pick her up, I dropped her. Oh and no. And actually, she she reached I sprained, out, she I sprained, sprained my wrist. Yeah, during that. 
film. So I had to film the rest of the film with a sprained wrist. So that was fun. So when this comes out on DVD, are you going to have the outtakes reel that we can see? We, yeah, we are actually going to do a bloopers. Yeah, yeah, there was there was some moments in that thing too. Well, the the yeah. other really funny part of it is, so I've done some acting stuff, and this is the first one that I've done dialogue with my dad, but. Um, there's a scene, you know, where Father Lawrence comes back and he finds Sarah on the ground. Basically, she overdosed. And in order to have that kind of show, you know, there's like these little secret tabs that you can actors put in their mouth and then it foams and everything. Well, I've never done that before. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so immediately after this, like it's happening and everything's like coming out of my mouth, like feeling like vomit, um, the director yells you know cut because we got the scene and there's like this huge like blooper reel that's going to come out where it shows me basically just like spitting that stuff out of my mouth because <laughs> it was just disgusting it was actually what, Alka-Seltzer? Alka-Seltzer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 to make it all for me you know yeah and so but i had to do that scene a couple different times so <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, I think Very the other funniest one was is in one of my dialogue when I when I really come forth and that was the most peak of the movie to me was being able to, you know, uh, just kind of get really, really stern with her and everything. Yes. And, the and one- that's how he was when I was a child when he yelled at me. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. The <laughs> no, truth comes out. <laughs> and so there was a part where I was supposed to say, well, the words that I wrote in there was going to say, you know, said, God wants you here. And for some reason, I just go, God does not want you here. <laughs> you know, and it came out totally different. And everybody just stopped and looked at me and we all just cracked up laughing because the words came out different. Something else. One of the yeah. scenes, one of the scenes that I really enjoy and it's very very poignant and it makes uh, it, the point that it makes is very clear is actually when you're trying to pray right. trying yeah. to get into the right position to do it and then dad just comes along out of nowhere father lawrence comes out and, and tells you that there's no right way to do it just just do it <laughs> and, <laughs> and when when dan and i were watching the film last week one of the things that really struck us and was funny and it's kind of the way that god works how Mm -hmm. father lawrence just keeps lurking around and keeps reminding and i went back to my own testimony of when i was saved i had people come tell me that i didn't even know that just showed up and said yeah you know what your problem is you you need to be saved (laughs) and i didn't want anything to do with them like get away from me you're lurking you know you're kind of creeping me out and how father lawrence in the film just keeps showing up and it just kind of brings brings the uh, main character to that point of okay well this is this is the way it needs to be you know i need to i need to follow jesus i mean it's it's really clear and i really enjoyed that because you know when you look at in in scripture is it's god that pursues us you know He, Mm -hmm. he pursues after us it's the spirit that draws so we've talked a lot about the film where can people right now go to watch amazing grace if they want to see it so right now we have it on YouTube, obviously, and it's actually under the band's channel. So if someone were to YouTube Warhol, um, I believe our actual tag is Warhol Productions is our um, where someone can subscribe to our channel. So it's there. And within the description, I've actually posted a link where people can go and purchase the Amazing Grace tune, which right now it will be on iTunes and Spotify. It just takes a lot longer time for them to um, accept it and get everything prepped. But it is out 
for sale. It's only 99 cents. It's on CD Baby. So even if someone just Googled CD Baby, Larry Warhol, Ashley Warhol, it would pop up. But we do have all of the links on all of our social medias, whether it be Facebook, which you can find us under Warhol. But um, everything for video and music wise, you can just go to the Warhol channel. I encourage all of our listeners to go check this film out. Also, check it, out their music please. and share it. And we're going to be sharing it at lithoscry.com on our resources page. And we're going to be sharing it on our social media as well, because this is very much worth a watch. And share it with your friends. Share it. Just just keep sharing it. Let's uh, Let's help this go viral. I'd like to take a quick break. And while we take a quick break, I'm going to share with our listeners just some of the music that comes out of you guys. I'm going to share with them the song Voices from Above from your debut album, The Awakening. We'll be right back. This is Warhol with Voices from Above from The Awakening.
Many of the bands that we've had the privilege of interviewing on this podcast have been husband and wife, which I really believe attests to the power of the family unit, the way that God has ordained things. This is the first band that we've ever interviewed, though, that is father-daughter. How did that come about? Usually most kids, when they want to rock and roll, they rebel against mom and dad and run away and, and join the band. But here we have father and daughter. How did this all come about? Should I start it out? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm nervous for you starting it out. <laughs> well, sure, go ahead. I remember piano was always my major instrument, and I played piano all my life, uh, solo, and, and that's what I really got my degree in, in music and everything. And so as I grew up, as Ashley grew up, rather, <laughs> yeah, I guess as I grew up, too, um, she would always be around, and she acquired a taste for music just by listening to me, and she started, at one time, she'd be sitting on my lap, and we've got photos, and she'd be under the piano, under the piano, you know. Yeah. Uh, listening in that and so as she grew up she was always around music and she started playing on the piano and, and making up little songs as a as a little girl and then became a serious writing she tried taking lessons from me but that <laughs> did not work and she took from another teacher that's the only thing where we never got along because she figured daddy was going to give her a break and i, oh. give her a break. I wanted her to be no he was so hard on me <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted her to become a great pianist I would leave the lessons crying. <laughs> anyway, she, not really. Sometimes. <laughs> That's because you couldn't have it your way. So Probably. anyway, um, so she started writing her own music, and she wrote some really nice stuff at a very early age. How old were you? Uh, I was in first grade when one of my songs played on um, the radio station here yeah. locally. Yeah. Really? It was beautiful. Yeah. It had a, it had the, the more or less breaking up a chord somewhat like in the Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. It was very mm -hmm. beautiful. But she continued writing that. Actually, that song, um, Glenn, I don't know if you've even seen on my personal YouTube, um, I have a poetry, well, it's called Testify. It's actually yes. my testimony. I've watched so that the, many okay, times. That's the song that yeah. dad is talking about. Okay. That's the song I wrote when I was in first grade. You wrote that in first grade? Yeah. Oh, wow. It only took me like, you know, 25 years or however many years to actually do something with it. <laughs> when I was in first grade, I was writing cat, T-A-C, everything backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Keep it. This is, this is good. All right. This is good so stuff. here comes the point that she'll probably get mad at me. But when she started writing her songs, her rhythm was a little off and it drove me crazy being the classical pianist trained you know with the metronome and everything and so and also in music you always have the a a b a which is verse verse chorus verse and she started adding other things in so i decided i'd get the other piano and start working with her and so we were actually started as two pianos and then because i didn't know that he played guitar she didn't even know mm -hmm. i played guitar okay because i'd let I dropped guitar, and that will come later on if you start asking me about my life. But I, I, I always I started out with piano, and then I uh, went to guitar. And then after I got into college, I dropped guitar and just majored in, in piano, and which has been my major. And uh, Both of us were pianists. Both of us were, were pianists. And I said, this really isn't going to work you know, if we form a group, because we would start talking about, well, we should do this together all the time. And so... I decided I I need to do something different. So 
I had studied saxophone as <laughs> okay. my second instrument in college, but that wasn't going to work. So I went. Well, what happened? I came home from college and I heard him playing the guitar. And well, I, I thought, went out and bought one yeah. to, to start getting back working at my chops on guitar so that I could play guitar in the group. And then go ahead. You can tell the rest of the story now. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we are so organized. <laughs> um, this is life. Um, it's real. We share everything. That's true. So, yeah. So I, I came home from college one day and, and I heard him playing and I had no idea. And I thought he was actually just listening to music very loudly. And so I walk in and see him, you know, playing these awesome rhythms. And I even said, since when do you play guitar? You know, we could have been doing this. We could have been in a band all this time. Like now we know what we can do. So I stayed on the piano. Dad obviously was a guitarist in the band. We already knew the band name that we wanted. And then we just had to kind of find a drummer and, and a bassist, which that's a long story within itself. But, uh, but that's kind of how we formed is going from two piano players to finding out your father actually knows how to play guitar and that's how we formed <laughs> family secrets revealed <laughs> yeah. so larry you started with piano and then you moved on to guitar tell us about your guitar background well i started piano when i was six years old and uh, played piano throughout till 13 boy i'm really showing my age now at 13 the beatles come out and I'm sitting there on the floor with my mom and dad watching the Ed Sullivan show and the Beatles are on, on TV. And I'm going, wow, look at that. All them girls are screaming and hollering for these guys and fainting and everything. I want that job. So I said, mom, I want to start to play guitar. So they put me in guitar lessons. And I continued playing piano and guitar, too, with numerous groups throughout my years. And, you know, little garage bands, rock bands and, and that. And pretty much continued on like that until I got into college and then in college i had to drop guitar because it wasn't i was majored with piano and you couldn't have guitar it was also a major instrument so i ended up just doing um you know uh piano and after i got out of college i, I studied with a two or three concert pianists one of them Tim was, uh well one of them was albert hirsch which was a, a student of rachmaninoff the great rachmaninoff and also with sydney davis which was a, a jazz player both they were just such excellent pianists and then i started playing hotel lobbies weddings and and anything and still working in groups and until the time uh ashley got of age and music uh <laughs> no i I think you should tell Glenn your vampire wedding story. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did do a wedding that was a vampire wedding. And, and believe me, I set up at the door. So if anybody came after me showing their teeth, I was out the door. No, you were afraid, <laughs> you were afraid for a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, there was sacrifice in there. But anyway, um, so I just, I continued on, uh, you know, until the 80s and music got real bad. And I actually then became a paramedic. Believe it or not. Oh, wow. Was, and and yeah. still licensed. Yeah, I'm still licensed paramedic today. But it was so funny, to make a long story short, I ended up becoming a marketing director for a private ambulance company because at that time it became very competitive. And the way I got contracts was I would go in and I would play for the uh, nursing homes, play for the elderly there, and we'd have sing-alongs and birthday parties, and I loved it. That's what I did. And in return, you know, a lot of times they would uh, use our ambulance service, you know, 
And so I was back in music again. And that's when from that day forward, I after that, I started back playing uh, piano and, and, you know, the business music business picked up again with, for live entertainment. And then down the line, Ashley and I started to group together. So we go from nursing home sing-alongs to symphonic <laughs> metal. <Rock concerts. laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I... You have, if you look at my background in music, the thing is that it's best described as when we were Arizona, in Arizona, her and I went to this museum of music. You remember that? Mm -hmm. I walked through my life in that museum. I felt like I saw my life flash in front of me because, you know, when, when you look at me and through all the music, through all these years, I mean, I was in into you know early rock and roll uh, country western when i was 13 years old my mom and dad used to take me up to a beer joint i mean it was a neighborhood beer joint called the hideaway lounge and i would set up my piano at 13 and i'd be singing songs like your cheating heart and matilda and heartaches by the number and you know of course pretty woman that was one everybody liked by roy orbison and i just had had such a, a variety of music in my life you know, so and it's been there all my life. Ashley, you've been classically trained as well in opera. Is that correct? That is correct. And ironically, Dad and I both graduated from the same university. Which university so, was that? University of St. Thomas, which is here in Houston. And it's basically the sister school to Rice. And ironically, whenever I graduated high school, you know, when I was looking at different colleges that I wanted to go to, being an only child, and I'm very close to my parents, but I was looking at colleges, you know, kind of a ways away, and, and Dad had actually submitted me to St. Thomas, and I'm glad he did because it was the one school that I got a ton of scholarships and grants to because I was always really a, a good student. I actually graduated um, number 12 in my class out of, I think, over 800 students. So I am I've, I've not always, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always been very driven and, and hard work. But um, since dad had applied and that's where I went to, if if I wouldn't have gone to University at St. Thomas, I don't even know if we would have joined the band because that allowed well, me to I think come home. One of the things that kept you here was the band yeah. at that time yeah i used the band to keep her here so she be running all <laughs> more family <laughs> secrets revealed <laughs> no. ones that i'm just learning <laughs> it's just they had a good you know i studied all of my my piano courses there my orchestration even my and i did too yeah we all did the same thing yeah well, yeah you know a lot of the well, there, some of the compositions some of the same professors were there yeah. that was there with you um not all of them but yes yeah, so i had my degree in music composition so i also did piano but my major was voice so i am trained as an opera singer but i just sing more rock in the band and during my studies i actually then took up violin for a little bit so for those who ever watch our music video the darkness the violinist in that track on the music video was actually my violin teacher <laughs> oh really that's who that was yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I kind of got, I guess, the the best end of the deal is because yes, I was you know paying him to be my instructor, but I kind of had him produce stuff for us too. So it was it was great. Um, and he actually played our album Awakening show that we did. And uh, yeah, it's just it's funny how ties and things just kind of all come together. But music has always been my purpose in life, and it's always come back with dad as well throughout his years and now this is our dream and we're achieving it together 
the music of Warhol is symphonic, it's rock, it's metal, it's complex. And yes. I knew by listening to you guys that, okay, she's probably got an IQ that's off the scale and so does dad because of the complexity of the music. You just can't sit and write that type of music without having a background or some formal education or training in it. Can you give us some insight into your songwriting process? I mean, you guys are just so artistic. Does it start with a visual? Does it start with a lyric, an idea, a melody? How does it start and how does it come about? So majority of the time, there's two ways that we go about it. Either dad writes something based off of the guitar and he or piano and he brings it to me and I will then create a melody and write lyrics to or it's the other way around. I will already have a bass down with lyrics and piano and I bring it to him and then he writes the guitar parts. He writes all the orchestration parts for it. So there's typically those kind of two general ideas. Amazing Grace, you know, dad pretty much wrote himself. I helped with certain with certain things with melodies and, and different uh, ideas for lyrics, but I, I knew that was his calling and, and I wanted him to feel the complete freedom of doing what he wanted. But dad and I both have very similar styles when it comes to writing music. You know, there's some instrumentals I've written on my own and he's he'll listen to them and knowing me, he already knows what the next note is going to be, you know. So when you're that close to someone and, and very similar writing styles, it's very easy to write music together because we kind of already know what the other person is hearing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, you know, another thing, too, is two heads are better than one. And that's really the truth. That That's saying a lot of times when you're a solo person writing a song, you end up becoming a solo person because you just write it in, in your effects. And, and I'll be honest with you. One of the hardest things to do is write metal or hard rock music on the piano. It really is. You can sit there all day and write soft songs and beautiful songs on piano. And this is from my years of experience. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's hard unless you just sit there and bang out chords like Jerry Lee Lewis and that, you know, for that type of a rock sound or like the big bopper Chantilly Lace. But to write a really fast one, you know. You need other instruments. Yeah, you need you, know, you need power, power yeah. sounds. Elton John and... Um, has done such a great job at his songs, you know, with piano and that, but he has co-writers in that too. But a lot of the music, I have more of the, um, the history of music with the rock. So I'm, I'm still with that rock era from the sixties and seventies and eighties, early eighties and that. And so a lot of times Ashley writes things as a vocalist, which are beautiful and her voice fits the, the songs good, but oh, it does. between her and I, we have that, combination balance. yeah the balance of nature there to uh work it where we can uh, drive i mean you can tell them the, i'll let ashley tell you about um voices because that's a good example so with voices from above when i originally wrote that song i had envisioned it actually more of an acoustic just voice piano and i brought it to dad and immediately he was like no <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like listen to this and so he started putting a rhythm to it. And I was like, okay, I see it now. And so, I mean, there's there's been times like that where I'll have a certain vision for it. And, and then he goes, no. <laughs> and then he'll have a vision and I'll go, no. <laughs> so it, it, it is that balance of how can we elevate each other to make mm -hmm. our music elevate together. Your music, when I listen to it, 
it's right up there with some of the great bands in the symphonic rock metal genre, such as Within Temptation, Epica. I put it right in that category. And we love you. <laughs> <laughs> and that would not that I don't feel comfortable with that music, but we love you. <laughs> for our listeners, thank you for the great compliment you just gave us. <laughs> for our listeners, they know that that's pretty much where I spend most of my time is in the symphonic realm. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with my musical upbringing and, and background, and just the appreciation for music and the complexity of it. And also, too, it has a the symphonic has a healing effect to it. And Larry, when you compose, I understand that you handwrite the compositions. We've got software out there now that's able to do that to make it a little bit easier. Why do you choose to handwrite the compositions? Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I spent the greatest part of my life up to 18 years old in classical music. I love it. One of my greatest composers was Franz Liszt. He was the, um, uh, Mick Jagger <laughs> of his days. I don't know if you ever listened to Liszt. He and he walked the dark side and the light side. Mm -hmm. he, like his the song, fine line. yeah, the fine line of it. He he wrote Mephisto Waltz. He wrote the Angelicas and things of that sort. So he walked the fence, and I, and I loved it. And uh, I just live in that era. I I still think. I feel more of a musician to sit down and write it. Beside the fact, I know you can just erase this and that, but to me, work, I, I'm I'm not that much of a technical guy. I'm old school, to be honest no, that's with okay. you. That's okay. You know, <laughs> and to go on, on the line and put this, I just feel more like I'm creative, you know, that I'm an artist in the fact that I I write my music on, on paper. It's like well, I'm drawing. Well, the fact that you also know how yeah. is also a yeah. huge But, I mean, too. that's not the big issue. The big issue is I like to see it. I like to do it. I feel like I'm really composing at that point where then on it. I don't know why. That's just me. It's just like the difference between you taking a brush and painting a painting compared to go mm -hmm. on, going on the computer and doing it with a, you know, the little digital crayon, pen. digital, mm -hmm. you know. There's a big difference to me. You're a technician now more than you are a musician. I, I, I know it may not sound right because on account of that, a lot of technical stuff is done on computer today and everything, especially for games and stuff. Well, a lot but, of yeah. the perks of that is it saves a lot of time, too. Yeah. You know, people yeah. who are amazing composers will use technical things and, and mm. their music is beautiful. But I think you just like to take yeah. the time and, and be precise and... Well, also, too, it's easier. I take the paper over to the digital piano, you know, to do orchestration and things like that. And so I can sit and write there and not have to drag the whole computer over there, the way everything's set up in, in our studio, you know, and, and, you know, reach over and do this, that, and the other. It's just, and it's just like the other day, I lost all this stuff in the computer. What happens if I write all this out and all of a sudden, you know, I didn't do a copy right away. It was tarred three in the morning. I want to go to bed. I'm not going to sit here and copy all this off on the copy machine. Well, at least on paper it's there you know yes when i was a paramedic we lived by one rule and that was if if it wasn't written it didn't happen and maybe that's that's what was uh happening with my if i don't write it down it doesn't happen i don't know it's what's embedded in me i guess well i believe that probably even drawing out the notes and writing down the notes that's an artistic expression in and of itself when you take a you look at a piece of music it's a piece of art when you take a look at the sheet music it's a piece of art you're exactly right. That's, that's a great definition of it. <laughs> and going back to the light and the darkness, that's one of the things that I appreciate about Warhol is that you 
demonstrate the darkness. There's that tension between the light and the dark, but it always resolves itself with the light. And you guys do that through the art that you have with the band. You're not just about the music. It's about the entire, the complete artistic expression. Ashley, can you share with us some other forms of art that you combine with your music to tell the complete story that you want to get across to the listener? Absolutely. You know, when we first released The Awakening, Dad and I both knew that there was going to be a story. We wanted to have a stage presence that people could understand visually as well as musically. So we actually have stage props. Um, We built a kind of an entranceway to a castle, which we're in the works of talking about actually a new design for upcoming tours and shows, which we're really excited about. But we wanted to dress the part. We wanted someone who has never seen us before to walk into a concert and be curious because curiosity is what will make people stay. You know, if someone listens to a song and and never seeing someone, their image, you know, they're going to judge that song probably off the first five seconds. We wanted an appearance within our photos, within our stage presence, where if someone saw our photo, it would grab their attention enough to make them want to listen to what our music sounds like. So we've done an amazing job of between the merchandise logos or between the design work within our photos or album covers. We want it to tell a story that grabs people's attention. The artwork that you guys have with your music is absolutely lavish. It captured me to begin with the artwork for it. And what you're saying that helps you in getting people interested in what you do is the reason why Dan and I do not use photos of ourselves to promote the Get Real podcast. It would turn <laughs> listeners away. <laughs> Two old middle-aged guys. Um, we leave it to the imagination what we look like. He looks like Brad Pitt and I look like George Clooney. So we'll just keep we'll just keep it at that. <laughs> the Awakening was your first album. It was released in 2017. And there's some beautiful poetry, Ashley. And if you could read it for me, please, that goes along with the awakening the theme of it i do i do um and actually dad and i wrote this together are you wanting to read it instead of he he wants to read it i can see it in his face (laughs) so i'm going to okay i'm sorry dad there you go he's going to read it it. see this 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 is our daily life glenn (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if many uh fans have heard this side of us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, fun. Yes. We always battle about who writes what, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, I will gladly read it. <laughs> all right. And darkness was upon the land. All that was was no more. The land lay wasted in ruins. No words were spoken. No songs were sung. Music was in a state of chaos. Its direction unknown. But one day, In the forest and through the trees, a voice came calling, calling from above, calling for the awakening. The wind carried the voice throughout the land in hopes that it would be heard. When all had seemed to fail, there stirred a movement in the ashes. And from the ashes arose a strong and powerful group of musicians called Warhol, an army of chosen ones who would bring forth to the land a new and inspirational voice in music. Thou shall be awakened. It's beautiful. And that that really moved me and it stirred me and it stirred a lot in me when I read that. And I wanted you to read that 
for our listeners, because one of the things that we talk about here at the Get Real Podcast a lot, this is something that we see God doing in the earth today, is that he's restoring the arts. Uh, when you go back and you take a look at history, the church was the epicenter of all the artistic, all of the arts. And it's kind of gotten away from that. And he's bringing it all back to himself because he is the ultimate artist. He's the creator of everything. I heard somebody express not too long ago that we really don't create anything. We just express what's already there and what's already been created. And from that, Ashley, there's some deep insight into that from both of you. From your perspective, what is the state of chaos that music is in and how do you see that chaos being brought back to order? I know that's a deep question. So, Yeah, no, I think with what is happening right now is the perfect example. People are now having to think outside of the box of how am I still going to have an income when I can't physically be in front of someone? You know, I still think what everything is going on right now with people doing live streams, interacting with their fans, it is only going to help you to the point to where I even think when concerts now come back, that some artists are still going to implement some of the things they're doing right now over the past couple weeks to build that connection with your fans. And I think everyone is looking for that escape. We go to music to bring us freedom to escape from reality. And I think the darkness and, and, and the times of darkness really make people aware of of a human connection, which I think in certain aspects, the music industry has maybe lacked in certain in certain ways. You know, we are very drawn to our fans. We want it to be a friendship to where when they message the band, they, they're talking to us. And I think that human connection is so important, especially in today's society and kind of going back to what I just stated of with everything that's going on with this pandemic, it is almost forcing musicians to have that connection with their fans, which I think is beautiful. It is. A lot of things are changing. We are not going to be the same as a society and as a people after this. No, we're not. Go ahead, dad. Well, mine is totally different aspect of this question. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Go do for you it. Hear my yes, I do. Okay. Yep. Going back I've got this whole thing written now. If okay. we go back to the music of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and I'm, I'm talking it from maybe a uh, different perspective for as, at that time, look at the bands we had out. We had the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, The Doors, Jefferson Airplane, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. I can sit here and name every one of these. Fleetwood Mac, going on through time with Van Halen, Bon Jovi, Journey, you know, and forgive me all those that I didn't uh, name, Leonard Skinner, you know, Almond Brothers, the Monkees, and so forth. Then we had single vocalists uh, that came out, you know, like Van Morrison and, and Dylan and Simon Garfunkel. And then we got to Billy Joel and, and Elton John, Prince, Michael Jackson. What What do you think, what was the beauty of all that? They were all different, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, I could sit down and listen to Doors and then go listen to Black Sabbath. Right. Or I could put on Hendrix and then I could go listen to, to the Beatles. There was such a variety in music. So even in country and Western music at the time, you know, when, when I started playing Hank Williams and Patsy Cline and Charlie Pride and, and all those, and then it got to, you know, George Strait and Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton and all them. And I think the chaos in today's music is that it's the same. Have you ever went out and really looked at the cars on the street? If you look at Mazda, Nissan, Toyota, 
uh, Honda and everything, all the SUVs to me look the same. They really do. The only one is like the new Chevy. Uh, um, what is that one? The. Um, um, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It looks like a black hearse, so it looks cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Silverado. Yeah. So to me today, we're stuck in a pattern. We're stuck in with with a same style of music. We don't have the variety of um, that we had in the days of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, you have a lot of the follow the leader. So mm-hmm. one person makes it big, and then the next person, well, I'll do something like that. I'll just change a few things, and then the next I'll do the same thing, but change. And so you have that same basic principle of, of style of music. And I think one thing to also add into this, Glenn, reason why dad is saying this is because Warhol has had opportunities to have really big record labels back us. But when people heard our music, their first thing was wanting to turn us into another another Alicia Keys, another Lady Gaga. We've had those opportunities Mm -hmm. and we said no because we believe in ourselves. So that's the main point why dad is also beautiful. Yeah. They always say, Oh, we love your music, but let's Let's change it. (laughs) Just change it to this, that or the other. And I said, No, our name is Warhol. We are Warhol because we are Warhol, mm-hmm. and that is our music, and you have to take it or leave it, you know, and that's and that's just the way it is because we need a change. We need a change, and that's the chaotic in my, my life for us, the music. I get so tired of just hearing the same thing all the time. I, I loved it when I could go back and listen to the variety of music, you know, yeah. even in solo artists and in, in groups and I mean even on the other side of Flipper we even had you know at the time we had Blood Sweat and Tears in Chicago which was like big band music but it was still in the rock era yes it was and yes it was and, and you know had the Bee Gees who who started out with I mean first song I ever sang that I really I got a job right away because I sang To Love Somebody which I used to sing I don't sing the group anymore but To Love Somebody when I was young and then they came out and changed to the disco with Staying Alive and everything so that changed with the times too you know but nowadays you don't have the the variety of music out there and that's what's kind of because every day in your life you're in a different mood so you know today i'm like you're in a black mood so i want to hear black sabbath you know (laughs) right right (laughs) or heavy metal you know uh guns and roses or something like that you know yeah and but tomorrow i may be i want to go listen to jefferson airplane you know or it's a beautiful day white bird that song by then that was really beautiful a long time ago or then there's times i get in the car and my number one song that i've loved all my life that has special meaning is stairway to heaven and like, like days when i'm just really depressed and everything i'll just turn on stairway to heaven and sit there and listen to it and i'll just like drift off back into my days and so and it picks you right back up again yeah everything Mm -hmm. today you're right everything is according to the corporate formula um when you listen to the radio i barely listen to the radio anymore because it's all the same stuff the same songs over and over again and they're afraid to break out of that corporate mold because they think okay well this worked if we take a risk might not work and people might not like us and we might lose listeners. There was another band in the nineties that did something very similar to you guys where they were told, Hey, we're going to make you into a grunge band. And they're like, no, we're going to, we're going to remain a metal band. And that was the band Nevermore. They never gave Mm into what the corporations wanted them to do. And they stayed true to themselves and they never made it really, really big, but their music is phenomenal. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about Nevermore is they stayed true to themselves and I think through this shift that we're going through right now in society, people are hungering for bands 
like Warhol. They're hungering for music that they've not heard before that's different. And that's one of the beauties right now of streaming. That's one of the beauties of Pandora music. It's one of the beauties of all the things that you can find online that you never heard before. When I was a kid growing up, I was like, okay, you got to tell me there's got to be more good bands than just what I hear on the radio. And it always perplexed me how that always worked out. You only just heard a few bands. And now that I'm older, I kind of figured it out. It's the way the corporations work and, and what they put mm -hmm. on the radio. And there's and it's so all about money. It is. And there's so much great undiscovered music that's out there that's just oh, you're, beautiful. That is, you are so right about that, about undiscovered music and that. And it's sad because the only way you're really going to make it in a short time is to have your song played on the radio. Radio time. That is the one way that everybody nationwide can hear it, you know, especially in USA. Which is exactly why we're so thankful for guys like you, because if it wasn't because of you guys, we wouldn't be able to get out there. We wouldn't be able yes. to find new fans, you know, blogs, podcasts, magazines, those who really support indie artists. That is how we can make those connections with people that we've never met before. So, when I read your email of wanting to do this interview, I was so grateful because you are the next step in helping us reach someone who our music could possibly help heal. So we're very grateful for you guys. Thank you. We're so thankful for what you guys are doing, too. I would just like to thank everybody that has watched, and we really appreciate uh, Amazing Grace. I was just informed well, anything, today. Anything, yeah, anything. anything but I was amazed today just for the – yesterday we were at 1,116 Likes and today are yeah, viewed. viewed, and today we're at 2,486. Wow. So it is like double, wow. a little over doubled, and which is which is really beautiful. And it we is. really appreciate that. And what people don't understand too is you know, even with the Amazing Grace track, you know, that that's for sale, that's 99 cents. That adds up, you know, for any artist when you purchase any music from them. It adds up and every bit truly does help. Um, I know, you know, obviously dad and I, you know, you're, you're feeding two mouths, but we, we can't say how much we appreciate those who support us because they are supporting not only our musical creative needs, you know, but they're, they are, they're, they're supporting our livelihood. Well, they're giving to where we can give more in return. Yeah. I mean, the money that we really get from always uh, gets reinvested back into it. Back, <laughs> back into it, it gives us, you know, just like we have another uh, uh, EP, EP that's waiting Warhol. to release. You know, and another thing, somewhere along the line, you were talking about art and everything. When we're very particular about our. Uh, cd or ep covers that it really there's a message in them too just like uh if you look at the awakening um mm -hmm. it's like the end of the world you know and mm -hmm. it's time to awake to a new era. to a new beginning a rebirth yeah. we we all our world needs a rebirth and yes. i think with what's going on right now how i said you know it's a wake-up call i've heard more birds chirping in the past week than i've heard ever you know i've seen new little critters crawling on the grounds i think even nature is trying to send us a message it's finally breathing yes everyone it's, is breathe what it's spring Dad, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm having like a sentimental like moment and, oh. <laughs> sometimes I'll, i just like to pick on her and aggravate her sometimes you know <laughs> 
<laughs> she so, loves me. <laughs> yes. So if, well, I, if yes. somebody we're, wanted, we're, we're having a breathing moment. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody wanted to purchase a copy of The Awakening and your merch, I took a look at your web shop the other day, and some of the merch on there is just absolutely beautiful. Where can they go to get that? Yeah. So there's actually a couple different places. If you go to Warhol.net just spell it w-o-r-h-o-l then there's a shop link and actually once you press on the shop link you can have um, direct access to all of the band's merchandise t-shirts the awakening album as well as a few other things now if someone also searched testament designs which is mine um the warhol has a section on there as well so i also have a poetry photography book i have my own soap line. I do art. So the band is very, very artsy. <laughs> We're all very artsy people. But um, but the easiest way would just be going to warhol.net. Do you sleep, Ashley, with all that you actually, do? I mean, poetry, actually, I photography. I sleep a lot. Okay. <laughs> Every time I call her during the day, like she doesn't answer me. I'm sorry, I was sleeping. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the Get Real podcast today. I am looking forward to sharing this with our listeners and looking forward to your next EP that's going to come out. When is that going to come out? We're hoping probably sometime closer to the end of the year. We've had these tracks for a while and we actually have some really exciting things that are going on with them. We are about to release Fight, 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 which is off of the EP because the lyrics is exactly what is going on right now. So we're hoping to release that track either this week or next week. So that'll be new material that people will hear from Warhol, and it is heavier. But outside of that, we'll have um, shows coming up. We'll have new music videos. So we're, we're really excited. We have a ton of things on the horizon. Larry and Ashley, thank you so much for our listeners. If you want to reach out to us here at the Get Real Podcast, you can reach out to us through email at lithoscry. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y dot com. Lithoscry.com.